Rivers from 2000. Good afternoon to you if you've just tuned in. Time is 2.08 and I play that for a reason. It's always There's always a reason for me doing things. Okay, because um, I have got Chris McCallaghan online at the moment for her audio column and today her chosen subject is houseplants. Good afternoon to you, Cruz. Hello, good afternoon, Sadia. I was trying um, to find you appropriate music, so there you go. <laughs> well, thank you for doing so. I like it. It's cohesive. Um, yes, it's all about houseplants, mm. which I appreciate on the surface might sound quite dull. <laughs> no, it's, um, I'm <laughs> sure you will make it riveting no matter what. <laughs> um, I do, I do want to say that it's been interesting. Over the last couple of years, with people spending more time at home, Um, the kinds of things we've been doing in our homes to make them happier, Mm. more livable spaces, Mm. right? Like you've seen a lot of people doing this. Um, I have um, had a very unhealthy uh, fish tank aquarium habit (laughs) where I've cultivated this fish tank over the last couple of years as something to do in my home. But another thing that I do um, is buy plants. (laughs) Um, And I can't say that I'm the most planty house planty kind of person mm-hmm. i don't think i'm a, i don't definitely don't have a green thumb mm-hmm. every time i buy a herb or a bush of herbs or something it will die very quickly and very violently but <laughs> i do i do really love having plants around and i'm realizing more and more as dull as it may sound that i wish my house was just full of plants but also because as a parent i've also been trying to find other ways to make my home living environment like healthier for my children and we always think about things like um, allergies and chemicals and all that other stuff that we get bombarded with and the fact that plants can improve a lot in our in our indoor environments they can keep us healthier and happier Mm. and they offer both psychological and physical health benefits including improving our mood reducing fatigue lowering Mm. stress and anxiety Improving like office performance and focus, so like when you have a work environment, mm-hmm. boosting healing and pain tolerance, apparently, from some studies, minimizing the occurrence of headaches by improving air quality, and also easing dry skin and respiratory ailments due to dry air as well, which, of course, you know, in Hong Kong, people have a lot of air conditioning on. Mm-hmm. We're a humid tropical climate, but actually, you'd be surprised how dry some of our homes can be because of the, the air conditioning. Um, Many houseplants also absorb toxic substances such as formaldehyde, benzene, and trichloroethylene, which are found in man-made materials, and they are known to off-gas pollutants into the air in your home or your school or your office and things like that. Um, A study done at Virginia Tech led researchers to conclude that houseplants can can actually reduce indoor dust by up to 20%. So they're very efficient air cleaners. They're a really positive thing to have. And it's interesting because the people who are interested in houseplants include NASA. NASA has done extensive studies on the role of houseplants in cleansing the air, hoping to capitalize on these benefits for things like future space stations, where people are not near natural environments, right? And their studies have shown that there are certain houseplants that are really, really good at cleaning the air. And they recommend, NASA recommends, (laughs) having 15 to 18 houseplants for an 1,800 square foot house. So not what most of our homes are here in Hong Kong. (laughs) We're talking Um, American homes here. (laughs) Yes, we're talking American homes there, probably. But if we think about, like, if we halve or even less than that, you're probably thinking, like, maybe if you had, like, five to to seven, five to eight houseplants in your home. Now, um, 
It's super interesting, and they say that just filling as little as 2% of a room with plants can make a really, really good impact. They also release water vapor into the air, which, as I said, increases humidity, which can improve respiratory and skin health as well. Um, They increase oxygen levels, which is a big one, by absorbing carbon dioxide and releasing oxygen, which we know that's what they do. Um, And they also say that... um, it's good to put plants, uh, place plants in your breathing zone. So within six mm. to eight square feet of where you would normally sit around or lie down or whatever okay. like that as well. So in your bedroom, maybe. In yeah. your bedroom, yeah. yeah. Good, good place to have them in your bedroom. I have a lovely big um, peace lily right next to my bed, which mm-hmm. I do credit with a better night's sleep. If that's a placebo effect, I'll take it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's important. Um, they've also found that like, when people were allowed to have indoor plants in their office spaces, their work performance improved as well. And I think all of these things are because we actually have a really strong connection to nature and bringing nature into our immediate surroundings does make us calmer and more content and also more focused. Um, and of course, like, we know this, you know, we all know that if you go for a lovely walk amongst some trees, you'll just feel good. Yeah, it's just something, there's something else makes about you feel it. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they've also found that just having plants around can offer psychological benefits because of the act of caring for the plants can help decrease stress and anxiety. This one I have to question because when my plants die, despite what I'm trying to keep them alive with, it doesn't make me feel very relaxed. <laughs> um, but apparently, it's still um, it's just still one of those one of those things. Now, I wanted to look a little bit at the history of house plants. Mm-hmm. because it's quite fascinating to think about in a way that we have this thing where for such a long time people are trying to get out of the outdoors and be indoors as like a sign of civilization's advancement, right? Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, we now have natural environments coming back into it and then we, we need to reclaim that a bit. So it's very interesting. Now, um, according to the, in, the practice of indoor gardening with potted plants can be traced back to the early Greeks and Romans, And so that's really interesting. Now, older civilizations like ancient Egypt, India, and China also made use of potted plants, but these were mostly in outdoor spaces and courtyards, you know, with the kind of like um, terracotta terracotta pots Mm. in ancient civilizations, with the exception of ancient Romans who kind of gravitated towards giant marble planters. So it's a bit different. like we look at Japanese, Vietnamese and Chinese cultures, you have uh, unique traditions of dwarfing trees for ornamental purposes. Like, I, you know, you probably know is like bonsai trees. Yeah, the bonsai. Right? Mm-hmm. Bonsai trees. Now, these plants um, <laughs> were designed to reflect the form of fully grown trees in nature and were often, you know, uh, part, you know had little decorative rocks or they meant to simulate natural landscapes. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon in what is now modern-day Iraq even featured a custom garden specially curated for the wife of King Nebuchadnezzar II, and it showcased foliage of her homeland with date trees and cedars wow. and all these different things. So it's a very emotive thing for people, mm. too, to have the plants that they've, that they've grown up with as well. Now, we get to the Middle Ages, and nothing, nothing good happened in the Middle Ages. We know that, Sadia. It happens every week when I talk about history. We get a big blank when we get to the Middle Ages. Um, you know, it wasn't a very good time for anything, really. Um, during this period in Europe, um, cultivated indoor plants were largely restricted to monasteries. Okay. And plants were grown for practical purposes, food and medicine, rather than trying to make your very dank, dark hole of a home filled with people suffering from the bubonic plague look nice. <laughs> Um, and of course, but then of course we get to 
the Renaissance and the cultural transformations that that ushered in. And we have this kind of um, <clears throat> age of global explorers as well, um, going to new worlds and bringing back unique and tropical plants as well. So it's kind of interesting in how that happened as well. With industrialization and the Victorian era, ordinary people's homes were beginning to more closely resemble the homes we know today. So they were warmer because of things like coal and iron furnaces, which also allowed people to take their cultivation of indoor houseplants to new heights. And so in the Victoria era, things like ferns were exceptionally popular for their dense, luxurious foliage. Um, and so that's quite um, a beautiful idea. And I did have to look up some pictures of like Victorian era kind of homes and artworks. And you're like, yes, you've got these big, mm. lush, fluffy ferns in every corner, which is quite amazing. Mm -hmm. In the late 1920s was when potted house plants became kind of commercially available on the market. So before this point, you couldn't just go buy, like necessarily go and buy a potted plant. You'd be buying seeds and you'd have to, or bulbs, and you'd be growing them yourself, right? Which is something you never really think about. But of course, like now it's very easy. I can walk out my door. Go to a nursery and pick it up. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. Right. I can find any kind of plant. Um, so that's really interesting as well. And then, of course, in the 1960s and 70s, um, that was an era which is all about a reverence for greenery and nature and <clears throat> that kind of beautiful, like, hand-carved, crafted things. So you've got, like, macrame and, you know, like, mm -hmm. people adorning their homes, the sort of things that were uh, inspired by nature. Um, and it's this kind of like time of peace and love and plant worship, you know. It, Not it makes hangers, a lot of hangers, that's it, the plant Absolutely. hangers, that's right. Yeah, and, and actually a lot of the current trends that we have at the moment with plant styling in 2022 um, is, is, is a throwback to that kind of fertile time where people had kind of hanging plants around their homes and peace and love and plants everywhere. Now, what's really interesting is that we get to the 1980s and 1990s, and um, this was kind of like where things started getting quite minimalist in a way as well. So uh, popular materials were minimal and fresh, like glass or lucite or industrial metal, and plant styling took kind of a back seat during the 1980s, and stylish designers limited their greenery to kind of really thoughtfully placed focal plants, which played well with the sort of gleaming surfaces and geometric designs that were kind of really in vogue for the time, right? You didn't have that kind of overflowing jungle home mm. in the 19, like in 1987. Well, I mean, I'm sure some people did, but you, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, and then the 1990s also brought with them a resurgence in the popularity of the orchid. Yes, of This course. is really interesting. Yes, yeah, so, everywhere. Yeah, were they everywhere in the 90s? I mean, I was quite young then, so I don't really <laughs> remember. Um, I remember. <laughs> yes, and what was it like? Was it, I've seen like a lot of, they said it was like things like high fashion prints, um, yeah, and, like, yeah. and, and just everyone had orchids everywhere. Yeah, I think it's just, um, it, it, you know, it's probably just a, a fashion at the time that it's certainly in print and curtains and things, the print, uh, you know, you saw orchids and things like that and that, but it's a very exotic and, mm. and probably it's, it's a very rich flower that, you know, you do connect to, you know, like Laura Ashley prints had these mm. lovely flowers in them. And so that's what I'm thinking back at as in the UK, that that's what I could see certainly a lot of Laura Ashley. Wow. Well, I think that's it's quite amazing, and that they did have that. They do have that thing about them orchids. They are really 
they're very sculptural. Mm. And I know it's interesting here in, in Hong Kong and, um, you know, that the orchid is, it's quite like a, they're not a cheap flower to buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, if, if you know, I've been given orchids as gifts before and they're beautiful and they're these incredible, like, silhouettes that are quite dramatic mm. and it's, you know, and they're, they're, then they're fragile, you know, it's quite hard to, you know, again, it was just me and my lack of green thumb. They're quite hard to keep alive for years and years and years. Um, although I do have an orchid on my balcony that blooms every single year. We've been very lucky. It's quite a remarkable plant. I'm not touching it because I'm scared that I'll ruin the good thing it's got going. Um, <clears throat> but it's quite beautiful. Now, of course, in the last kind of like 10, 20 years, um, houseplants have had this real resurgence in popularity and have become, you know, they are a part of kind of interior decor trends and also this kind of more climate consciousness that we have, ne- you know, out of necessi- necessity had to develop a bit more of appreciation for nature, for the environment, for the environments we have. Um, and so there's a lot of these kinds of, um, but in our homes, we have these sort of vibrant, easy care um, varieties of like succulents and cactuses and snake plants or, you know, those kinds of plants that we have. Durable. Um, that, <laughs> yes, that kind of enduring, enduring and durable mm. ones. That's absolutely right. Um, but they do have a lot of, um, they do have all these benefits and it makes sense that people have um, been uh, creating, like, you know, that we're creating these nooks around our homes and in, in integrating plants into our homes. Do you have many in your own house? Do you, well, are you a plant person? I used to. I, certainly as when my kids were growing up, I had lots and because I always remember I had to kind of keep the kids away from them. But but I think recently since I've been in Hong Kong, I haven't because I find that, you know, if we're leaving the house and the air conditioning's not on and I don't want the plants to die. And also if you were, obviously before COVID, if you were traveling around doing mm-hmm. things then it's like who's going to water the plant so it's I feel it's almost like having a pet and that you have to take responsibility for the plants because they're living and you have to look after them so so I've kind of I've got one I've got an orchid which somebody gave me and um, I don't really have any plants in the house I get fresh flowers which I think are lovely and they last a couple of weeks and things like that but in terms of house plants I haven't had any I have not got any in Hong Kong but I used mm. to. I used to love them. I used to tons But I of think them. that's exactly, I think it's a really valid point. I think that's why they've had this resurgence because we've all kind of, for all intents and purposes, been grounded for the mm. last few years. Mm. And it's like that's investment where you can make a commitment to a plant. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, you know, if I'd known. Idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we'd known we weren't going anywhere, we'd be in our little home jungles at this place, <laughs> at this point. Um, interestingly, and I thought this was just a particularly interesting um anecdote, Sadia, which was that, um, you know, when we talk about uh, plants and mm. we talk about um, like having plants as indoor plants, it also echoes some other kind of cultural and important shifts in our timeline. And one has to do with women in the workplace. So this is really interesting. Um, in America during World War II, women flocked into the workplace to man all the desks that had been left vacant by the men. Right. We know mm-hmm, this happened. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. filled the void. Now, by the time the war ended, they were determined to stay and stay. Many of them did. Right. So the 1950s workplace, at least according to like that mad men kind of era, was less than perfectly female friendly. But women found ways big and small 
to adapt to their new environment and make it adapt to them. And this is where, for the first time, indoor plants became popular in the office, not just in, at home. And so, like these, um, and so this was something that women were doing, like not to sound like you're belittling them, they were also doing their jobs very well. But they had this, um, this was something that women did in terms of bringing plants into the office environment to kind of create a more beautified, positive, uplifting workspace. You know, that this, for so long, these workspaces had been under the kind of male, he- um, male hegemony mm-hmm. of being like these very uh, functional, sterile, you know, like you can absolutely picture it in your mind what these offices were like. Um, and then you suddenly have women in these offices being like, this is not a productive way to work. We can make this a better environment for mm. people to work in mm. um, and for themselves as well. And so that's when people were starting to bring um, work, work, like plants into the into the workplace, which is really, I just thought was just a really interesting shift because it didn't happen. It didn't necessarily happen overnight that we went from these very like brown industrial soulless kind yeah. of office working environments to the kind of kooky co-working spaces of today yeah. with moss walls and everything else like and it's just quite interesting that it was um you know a little bit of foresight from the female workforce to recognize that they there's ways to make those spaces more productive and positive i just thought it was a good thing to give our our kind credit for to be honest yeah absolutely at this point as well yeah that's no, pretty interesting great. Um, I have two quotes to finish on today, mm-hmm. Sadia, mm-hmm. Um, before I uh, have to tear myself away from um, also trying not to buy too many plants. I've convinced myself after doing this column that I need to walk straight to the nearest plant shop and just stock up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I've looked at so many beautiful images of lush green homes. Yeah, it is nice. It, it does oh. add a lovely colour to the house. It is lovely. It does. But you're right. You've got to water them. Um, I've learned that the hard way. All right. So two quotes. Mm -hmm. Um, The first is from Beth Ditto, who is awesome, cool American singer who's brilliant. And she said, a beautiful plant is like having a friend around the house. Oh. And I was like, that's that's really lovely. lovely." And it is actually. It is when you have like... Because you talk to them. (laughs) I do. I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And apparently it's meant to be very effective. I have a peace lily called Walter. (laughs) <laughs> and I talk to him all the time. Anyway, and the next one is from Anne Warraham, who said, plants want to grow. They are on your side as long as you are reasonably sensible. <laughs> I thought that was quite That's a good. forgiving, nice way of looking at some houseplant husbandry. Yeah, oh, that sounds really good. I must admit, like, you know, sometimes you talk to, to plants, and I, and I do recall doing that an awful lot, and even to the plants in the garden I used to talk, and I didn't realise that the neighbour was next door behind the fence. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so much for that. Oh, well, it's very beneficial, so oh. jokes on them. Some great stuff there. Thank you ever so much, Cruz. I can't wait till next week to see what you choose next no week. No problem. All right, then. You go and buy your plants now, then, all right? I will, I will. <laughs> all right, then.